Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. We're going to look at a word together this morning, immovable joy. Immovable joy. And um, Paul here, as we find him in, in Acts chapter 20, is on his third missionary journey. And he's nearing the end of his life and ministry here on this earth. And you can tell that he's beginning to sense in his spirit that, that time is coming to a close for him as far as to be effective in, in his earthly ministry here. We know that the ministry of Paul has been perpetuated in the church through his writings. Much of the New Testament we have to credit uh, the Holy Spirit's work in his life and through him to pen so many books in the Bible. And um, certainly his example serves as an encouragement for us. But he knows that physical time is running out. So as Paul is passing through many of these places, he's making sure to handle his affairs as if he's not coming back again uh, to this region. And, and this is the context in which we find this account of Paul's life here in Acts chapter 20. And I want you to look down with me to verse 17, and we're going to pick it up there in verse 17. And it says this, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I have always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept nothing back that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel according to the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Now, Miletus is a little town that is approximately 30 to 35 miles away from Ephesus. And in the city of Ephesus, we know that Paul has great investments of his own life. One, one book in the New Testament, as you know, is, is simply a letter that was written from Paul to the church there at Ephesus. Paul has given sacrificially to this group of people in this community to see the kingdom advance in this city. And he knows in this moment when he's passing by that he, he may be as close as he ever gets to this city again. And he calls for the elders of that church and it may be his last time that he has the opportunity to impact those leaders face to face so he sends for those elders of that church, and I want to parallel some of the things here that Paul tells them with our own experience as believers. And in order to do that this morning, I want to begin with the end in mind. 
And I want to direct your attention near the end of Paul's address here to the Ephesian church leaders to verse 24 when Paul says, And none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now, I want to pause here for just a minute because I believe it's safe to assume based on other writings of Paul and other parts of his testimony that when he says he's trying to, quote, finish his race with joy, he doesn't make that statement in in an effort to contrast the end of his ministry from any other part of his ministry. I want you to get that this morning because it's not here that Paul's saying, listen, hey, the rest of this has been somewhat of a drudgery, but I'm going to try to really focus here because I want from this point forward to be a joyful experience. No, Paul began his journey with Christ in joy. Paul has endured his journey with Christ in joy, and he's saying that I know trial and tribulation await me. I know that some hard things are before me, but I'm not going to let any of those things steal my joy. I'm not going to let any of those things knock me off my route. I'm going to walk in joy. I'm going to continue in the gift of God's joy that he's given me. See, I believe quite the contrary here. I believe that he qualifies this statement by saying that none of the hardships that he has faced is going to shake the joy that is his through Christ Jesus. I believe what Paul's telling these Ephesian church leaders here is that he started his journey joyfully, he's endured joyfully, and here towards the end he wasn't going to let anything rob him of that joy. Now, say, Pastor, why are we talking about joy here this morning. I want to talk to you about joy this morning because I know how elusive joy can be. I know that there are times that we want it, we crave it, we look for it, we seek after it, but it seems to elude us. And I believe that some folks can give themselves a little pep talk and they can be joyful for a few hours, maybe even a couple of days or a few days, but it's often short-lived. And they just don't get any joy out of life. And to be quite honest, we often see such folks just withdraw and begin to pull back away from many things, even things that they desperately need in their lives, but they just pull back because they can't find joy. True, real, lasting joy. I believe Paul had found it. I believe that's what he's guarding here when he says none of these things are going to move me. I'm going to finish this race in joy. You see, there's a, there's a reason, there's a couple of reasons that I believe that joy is so elusive for so many. Number one is joy becomes elusive for us when we, uh, when we don't recognize that true joy has no physical contingencies. True joy has no physical contingencies. The joy we read about in the Bible, the joy that is listed as a fruit of the Spirit, the joy that is written about as being unspeakable and full of glory or inexplainable and full of glory. There's no physical contingency on that joy. 
You know, I believe one of the, I believe that the word if, two letters, one word, the word if is one of the most influential words in our vocabulary. Yet it is a word whose power is so often overstated in our lives. I want to repeat that. I believe that the word if is one of the most powerful words in our vocabulary. But I believe it's also a word whose power is often overstated in our lives. And I'm going to illustrate that for you in just a minute. But I know that I am guilty. I stand before you today charged and guilty of the charge of allowing too many ifs to factor into the dynamics of my life. Anybody else? You see, especially as it pertains to my joy, I allow too many ifs to come in. You know, if everybody liked me or if at least more people liked me. If the things I did seemed to be more prosperous, if my ministry appeared to be more effective, if I didn't get that crummy email a few weeks ago, if everything uh, lined up the way that I expected that it would. Any of you ever do that? You, you sit around and you say, if, 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 if. If this thing, if that thing, if another thing. And we do that over and over and over. You see, too often we live under the weight of the if-then equation. You do that. You do that math all the time in your mind. If and then. If and then. We, we try to work that equation out. We're trying to figure out the things that are, that are going to make us joyful. The things that are going to bring peace and satisfaction in our lives and, and help us to live in the joy that we so desperately need. And we measure that criteria by which we can experience joy by stating if. If this thing happens. And if that thing hadn't happened. And if this would work out this way or if it would come around in this certain way and then we define the results with then. You see, if this would do this and if this lines up and if everything works, then, then I can be joyful, then I can have peace, then I can be happy, then I would not struggle so badly. But we get in our car and we turn on K-Love and we sing along. I got an old church choir singing in my soul. And how do we tag that? There ain't nothing going to steal my joy. Yes, it does. As a matter of fact, you surrender it. Because you've already made it so contingent on physical things. You said if, 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 then, then, then. See, nothing has to steal our joy most of the time. We just forfeit it. Because we live under the weight of the if-then equation. Let me give you a newsflash. Let me give you an interesting take on the if-then approach to determining your level of joy, and that is this. If that's the way you choose to live your life, then you're never going to really know true joy. You see, in the opening passage, pages, passage here, Paul spends so much time recounting 
terrible injustices that he has endured. He said, hey, the Jews have been plotting against me. I've, I've, it's been trial and tribulation, hardship. You guys know it. And I want you to, I want you to understand this. Paul wasn't out promoting a, a political propaganda. You ever think about that when you read about Paul's beatings, his stonings, the way that he was chastised and, and abused and maligned city after city after city, everywhere that he went to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? He wasn't there promoting a political agenda. He wasn't there trying to sell some product door to door. He was there preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was there doing exactly what the Lord had called him to do. And he said that he had endured many tears and trials. He was uncertain about much of the future as it pertains to the things that he would endure in this life. And the parts that he was most confident about was that the Spirit had showed him that he would, he would face tribulation and trial and even more chains. See, sometimes we live with the illusion that if we're living a life that's pleasing to God, well, then everyone around us will be pleased as well, and therefore hard times will never come our way. Not true. Not true. Sometimes it's because we are in the middle of God's will that hardship and tribulation and trial beset us. Sometimes it's because we are right where God wants us to be and the adversary is fiercely contending and he's bringing things in our lives to try to destroy us. But if we'll hold on, if we endure to the end, God's got a plan. God's going to redeem that situation. God will move in our lives. You know, see, Paul here could have presented his own list of ifs, couldn't he? He, he could have easily said, called the Ephesian elders around and sat down with them and said, guys, you know what, I'm really discouraged right now. I just don't think I can carry on anymore. You see, if, if people would just listen to what I'm trying to say. Remember, he was out preaching the gospel. If, if people would just listen to what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to point them in a better direction. I'm trying to give them something. I'm trying to advise them in a way that's good for their eternity. If people would just listen, instead of rejecting me, then I could be joyful. You know, sometimes uh, people, Paul went into some very hostile communities because they worshiped other gods. And, and We've read several accounts where Paul goes into these communities, people start getting converted, and actually there are people in that community who have generated quite a revenue off of their idolatry. And they get upset with Paul. Maybe Paul could sit here and say, you know what, I could have joy right now if people would at least be accommodating to a different point of view. If, if, if they would just, like, live and let live. If I could just, you know tend to mine and they tend to theirs, then I could be happy. I could have joy. If people would just understand my heart, if people wouldn't beat me and stone me and try to kill me, because it happened. It happened in his life on a pretty consistent basis. If people wouldn't gossip and falsely accuse me, if they wouldn't get, draw their opinion about me about from what somebody else said instead of coming and talking to me and learning who I am, then I could be joyful. 
You see, true joy as defined in Scripture doesn't have any physical contingencies. There there are many people among the ranks of Christianity who can't function because they can't find joy. And they can't find joy because they base their ability to walk in joy on so many contingencies. I mean, the Spirit of the Lord would have to get like 15 layers deep into some of our lives to get through all the contingencies to usher in joy. Every time, every time that you or I, every time that we say if, as it relates to our joy, we're adding a condition that makes it harder and harder for us to experience real joy. Real joy. You see, if, if the joy we experience has to meet certain criteria, then you understand that joy is going to be short-lived. Why? Because life changes. Life is full of variables. We, we may be walking on the mountaintop today, and we may find ourselves in a valley tomorrow. We may be, it may be smooth sailing today, and it may be a storm tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's waiting for us just around the corner. We don't know what's around that next turn. I'm sure that I could pass the mic around this morning and we could have testimony service and we could just go one right after the other and say, you know what, I was just walking and I was enjoying life and all of a sudden, my life got turned upside down. I didn't see it coming. I was blindsided. How many of you are just walking in a really good space right now? Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. It ain't always mountaintop, and you know that, but sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget what God did in our lives in the valley when we are standing on the mountaintop. Sometimes when we're passing, as it seems, through the valley of the shadow of death, we forget all about that the Lord is my shepherd stuff. And we become overwhelmed and discouraged and despondent. But I want to tell you something. Whatever state you're finding yourself in this morning, I believe God wants you to walk in and experience joy in your life. How many of you are walking through some things right now and you say, Pastor, if you'd told me a month ago, two months ago, three months ago that I'd be facing what I'm facing right now, I would have never seen it coming. Would have never seen it coming. But here I am. Here I am. You've got a choice. The interesting thing is you've got a choice in the matter. You see, life, life is full of variables, but our joy doesn't have to be that widely varied. It can be constant. It can be consistent in our lives. You know? It, we, we should claim our joy as a declaration of faith. We should claim, I want to say that again, we should claim our joy as a declaration of faith. I will have joy. I 
am going to live a joy-filled life. I will not let the devil steal my joy. I will not forfeit my joy. I will not give him what he didn't give to me to belong with. God gave it to me. He ushered it into my life by the Holy Spirit, and I will not give it up. The second reason that joy remains so elusive for many of us is because we have failed to recognize the source of true joy. There are a lot of folks who just don't know where joy comes from. They know when it comes, you know, we can, joy comes in the morning, right? We just don't know where. We don't know where it comes from. We, we have bought into the narrative of this world that joy is going to come into our lives through worldly fulfillments. That if, if we can just, you know, many of us, we've thought at some point that joy was, was found in a career, that it was found in a relationship with another person, that it was going to come through possessions or achievement and lasting and true joy doesn't come through any of those things do you know that everything becomes not new after a while those of you who are parents you understand that more painfully now that you've moved into adulthood your kid wanted some great thing for Christmas. You sacrificed, you shelled out, you laid it on the line, you gave it to them. They were ecstatic for the first 30 minutes. <laughs> Maybe three, four days a week. But over time, that joy began to wane, and that's just a perfect illustration for us because when, when we have... When we have made our joy contingent upon so many physical things and we have failed to recognize the source of true and lasting joy, that's the way it is for us. We can be happy for a little bit. We can hang on to it for a season. But after a while, that latest and greatest becomes commonplace. It's just, it's what it is, you know? And we're, we're we, then we're, yearning and we're hungering again and there's there's that void that's there because we're trying to fill a god-shaped hole with world-sized stuff and it doesn't fit it doesn't work it doesn't satisfy see true joy doesn't come from outside of you true joy doesn't come from outside of you I'm talking to somebody in this place right now. True joy does not come from outside of you. You've been waiting for Mr. Somebody to come into your life and bring you joy. It ain't coming. I'm not saying that he won't, but I can tell you to be short-lived. Because he might be Mr. Right right now, but after you get to know him and get in touch with his idiosyncrasies and his peculiarities, he'll be somebody full of problems just like everybody else around you you hear me true joy doesn't come from outside of you true joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in you not the product of circumstances around you 
It's, it's Christ in me that's the hope of the glory, uh, hope of glory. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing in me and in my heart and in my mind and in my life that is the source of true and lasting joy. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. That's the fruit of the Spirit's work in your life. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand how tough things are right now. Well, let me ask you this. Did, did the Spirit of the Lord show up to you in your last prayer time and testify to you that chains awaited you in Jerusalem? Is the Spirit of the Lord whispering to you right now that as you're passing through certain places of this life that it may be the last time because you're about to die and go out a martyr for the gospel of Jesus Christ? I mean, he, he hasn't touched me with that, <laughs> with that impression just yet. So I feel like when I hold the rest of my life in comparison, if Paul can say, listen, none of this stuff is going to move me. If, if he can say it facing the things that he stated here in this passage, I should be able to say it about my own life. About my own experience. I, I should be able to say that. Now, Paul has a realistic outlook on the things that he's facing in this life. He's not, he's not trying to candy coat it. He's not trying to gloss over it. He said, look, I've faced some difficult things in this life, and my anticipation is that I'm about to face some more and even greater difficulties. But here's his determination. None of these things determine my joy. None of these things determine my joy. So this is my challenge to you. Sometimes we just need uh, somebody on the keys. Um, sometimes we need to listen to ourselves speak. We just really need to stop and listen to the words that come out of our own mouths. Because sometimes they are so contrary to our statements of faith. They're, they're contrary to the songs we sing. They're contrary to the prayers that we pray. They're contrary to our entire belief structure. Because we sing about nobody or nothing stealing our joy. And we sing about overcoming and being victorious. And we, we recite scripture and we, we say things to one another in the context of connect groups and, and things like that and conversation with one another that are just faith-filled. But then when we talk to ourselves sometimes, it's not quite the same conversation. And if you listen to yourself and it's full of if, if, if I could have this or if things would turn out this way, then I want to challenge you today that you're not looking for joy in the right direction. 
Because true and lasting joy is not going to come from the outside of you. It's going to come from the inside of you. As you learn to rest in the Holy Spirit's work in your life, as you learn to rest in what He's doing in you, as you learn to rest in the hope that He has given, that's when true joy is going to come into your life. And not until. There's no reason that we shouldn't walk in joy because we know that one day, regardless of what this life brings, that the journey is going to lead me to the presence of my Savior. This journey is going to lead home. This journey is going to lead us to the glory of God's presence. Paul writes in another place, he says, look, I reckon that this light and momentary affliction is just something that's not even worthy, worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Listen, God's got this. God's got this. He's in charge of the outcome of your life. You know, basically the same thing, uh, this is the same thing that we see in Psalm 42. And I don't have an entirely different message here for this. I just want to mention it quickly as we close this morning. But David is writing in the 42nd Psalm, and at this point in his life, he's facing terrible circumstances. And the terrible circumstance is that his own son, his own flesh and blood, is pursuing him with the intent of taking his life. He's being hunted like a wild animal, tracked down to be killed, to be destroyed. And it's in that place that David looks within his own self and says, Why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. Why are you disturbed? Why are you disquieted within me? And then he begins to recount the goodness of God. And he, and he asks himself again, why? Why are you cast down, oh, my soul? And he continues with this thought in verse 8. And I just want to share this with you. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me. So I don't know today if you're living in the, in the bright sun of blessing or if you're living in the dark night of trial. But all I can tell you is that he will command his loving kindness to you in the daytime and in the night his song is going to be with you. And joy is coming in the morning. Amen. Amen, and it's coming from Jesus. Your joy doesn't have to be tossed on every wind of circumstance. You see, God loves you. He is still on the throne. He's still in control. And you can take comfort in knowing today that He loves you with an everlasting love and that He has your best interest in His heart. And whatever you're going through right now, he's going to see you through it. He's going to see you through it. And move forward in joy. Move forward in joy. I'll tell you something that my wife tells me often, and she didn't know she was going to become a sermon illustration this morning. But I come in singing the song sometimes. I'm spelling out my if-then equations. And she looks at me and she says, let me tell you something. That's when I know it's getting ready to be serious. 
She says, you've got only one life to live. And you can decide if you want to live it in defeat and discouragement and sitting around whining all the time. And then I'm like, baby, please don't hurt me. (laughs) Or if you're going to stand up in the promise of God for your life and move forward. Hey, it's up to you. It's up to you. Joy is yours. It's, It's like any other blessing or promise of God. It's yours. When Jesus hung on the cross and said, it's finished, it was for your joy. It was for your joy. All you've got to do is decide. Decide today, will I live in the sunshine of the joy that he has offered me? Or am I going to choose to live under a cloud of despair? And that choice is totally yours. It's up to you this morning. So I challenge you, when you leave this place today, listen to yourself. Listen to your self-talk. If there's a lot of ifs and thens included in your conversation about the things that are going to satisfy your life, then let me give you this. There's only one. If Jesus is in your heart and you are filled with His Holy Spirit, then you have everything you need to experience true and lasting joy. Amen. Would you stand? Father, I believe today that that you conceived this thought in my heart for this moment I believe Lord that you burdened my heart with this message throughout the week not only to encourage me but God because there are those who are struggling through a dark night and they don't know where their joy is gone And they've been really uncertain as to how to get it back. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they find themselves asking themselves all the time, why can't I just be happy? Why can't I just live in satisfaction? Why can't I have joy? God, today we look to you because we know that you are our source and our supply. And what you give to us, the world cannot take away. So therefore, there are no physical contingencies. God, I pray over every individual under the sound of my voice, whether in this room or whether watching online, or whether they pick this up in a podcast in the coming weeks. 
God, I lift them to you right now, Lord, everyone that is asking themselves, why are you cast down, O my soul? Those that, like David, are recounting the good times at the house of the Lord, the times that he had reveled in your glory and reveled in your presence, but now he's cast down. God, I lift them to you right now. God, I pray a revelation of your joy would just wash over them in these closing moments of this service. God, I just pray that that dark night would be broken up by the glorious dawning of your presence in their lives, Lord, and the joy unspeakable and full of glory would be ushered in. And God, that as this word begins to take shape and begins to take life in them, Lord, that they would be able to stand as the Apostle Paul say, none of these things are going to move me. None of these things are going to move me. I'm going to walk in joy. I'm going to live in the land of your provision. I'm going to experience that joy its fullness if you believe that if you need that right now I want you to slip your hand to heaven all over this place whatever your contingency has been I want you to begin to offer that to the Lord right now whatever that criteria that you've set up in your mind according to earthly standards I want you to begin to release that right now Say, Lord, I know the only thing that's truly going to make me happy is you. The knowledge of you and who you are and who I am in you, that is the thing that's really going to satisfy me. God, I submit to you right now. Earthly desires, I submit to you. Lord, all the things that I have held up and said, if. Because God, right now I know that the only thing I need is you. Your love in my life, oh Lord, is an unstoppable force. None of these things move me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.